Hi, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. Uh, I know I've been away for a few weeks, but uh, it's good to be back, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you some more uh, uh, teachings on the uh, importance of the Holy Spirit in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So, as I said in my last post, what we believe should be based upon the Word of God, the Bible, and not on the opinions of others. We need to be careful of that. The Bible is our map to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit is our compass to help us find the one true way. Remember, the way is narrow. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go and follow it. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. That's Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13. And so we are encouraged to pursue God, to pursue God with everything that we have available to us. I also said in a previous post that it's important that we not lose sight of the fact that the most important aspect of Christianity is the salvation provided by the crucifixion, the death, and the glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing is more important than what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. But at the same time, we shouldn't be ignorant of what was provided by Jesus to help us live in spiritual victory. The Helper, or the Holy Spirit, has been the focus of the last several posts and episodes. We worship Jesus, and only Jesus, because He's the one who died for us. However, let us not forget that in Jesus' own words, He promised us a Helper, the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an option. Jesus commands the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1, beginning in verse 4. And Jesus said, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, he, listen to that, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John, meaning John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The promise of the Father was the promise of the Holy Spirit to every believer. Now, why did the Lord provide the Holy Spirit to us? Well, let's, let's examine that. The covenant of the law in the Old Testament was given to Israel to show all of mankind that it was impossible to keep the law in one's own strength or ability. Without the sacrificial system that the Lord provided through the Levite priesthood, there was no way to be forgiven for sin. Sin leads to guilt and shame. Sacrifice leads to forgiveness and righteousness. The problem was that it was a never-ending cycle of sin, sacrifice, sin, sacrifice, and so on. It was as if sin had power over the individual. However, in the New Covenant, Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 10, says, By, by, that, by, by that will we be, have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest, Levite priest, stands ministering daily, 
offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. In other words, the Levite priests were, were, would have to sacrifice continually to take away sin. But Jesus did it once and for all. And then in verse 12 it says, But this man, speaking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hallelujah. Listen, that's scripture. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all. And he did away with the sin that separated man from God. Now, as a believer in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we are redeemed and we have been justified, regenerated, and sanctified. Now, all of these terms are theological terms which are found in the Bible. Uh, and they may sound uh, intimidating. However, they simply mean that we are saved because we are forgiven. We are declared not guilty because we're forgiven. We are born again and we are made holy. So we're going to take a few moments to, to look closer at these spiritual operations that take place in every genuine Christian. Now, how about the, the idea of redemption? Now, in our redemption or salvation or being saved, it's God's act of grace. What I mean by that is that Jesus did it all. Jesus paid the ransom to restore us to himself. Matthew 20, beginning verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, a ransom is what you pay in order to get something in return. Jesus was the ransom that was paid so that mankind, who, who, who were separated from God, could be restored into the family of God. The work was totally done by God. We contributed nothing to this plan of God. Salvation is a gift of God. You see, we can't save ourselves. Therefore, we need a Savior. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8, says, For by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, the entire Bible is a book of redemption. There's a scarlet thread of blood which is woven through the pages of, from Genesis to Revelation. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of animals. But in the New Testament, it was the blood of Jesus. You'll often hear the term atonement. It's also used to describe the reconciliation of God and humankind through Jesus Christ. I like the little play on words, atonement, as at one mint. At one mint. We are made one with Jesus Christ. Now, theologians have described this redemptive act. I look at it in three different parts. There's justification, regeneration, and sanctification. Now, as I said before, these terms may seem deep and complicated, but in fact, they simply mean we are, remember what I said, we're born again, declared holy in God's eyes, all because of what Jesus did for us. In our justification or forgiveness of all sin, uh, 
we, we see that this is also an act of grace. It's a gift. We've been declared innocent by the Lord because we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, meaning Adam, judgment came to all man, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, meaning Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Again, this is an act of the Lord, and we have nothing to do with it. God's justification is a free gift of grace associated with accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's impossible for us to justify ourselves. It is Jesus who is our justifier, and as a result, the Lord has declared us innocent. Hallelujah! You see, some try to be good and earn God's salvation. But as the Apostle Paul taught, no one can be good enough. The second idea is the idea of re regeneration. In our regeneration, what this simply means is that we've been born again, which again is an act of grace. Our spirit has been made alive and connected to the Holy Spirit of God. In Titus, beginning in verse 3, or I should say Titus 3, beginning in verse 4, the scripture writes, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration, being born again, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The work of regeneration is another work that is holy God's. As human beings, we can rehabilitate, but only God can regenerate. You see, rehabilitation has to do with the mind and the outside of a person. But regeneration has to do with the heart and the spirit of a person. Only those who are born again can see and enter the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus in the Gospel of John chapter 3. We must be born again. We must be regenerated. And that is wonderfully a God work. And then the third area is this idea of sanctification. In our sanctification, we, we're, we're, we're made holy and we're set apart for God's purposes. And that's really what the word holy means. Sometimes we have a misconception of what holy is, that, that we're very pious, you know. We, we spend our time in a cave, you know, reading our Bibles. No, holy means that, that you have, you've been set aside. You've set yourself aside. God has set you aside for His purpose. So sanctification is an act of grace, but it's also a work that we're called to and equipped with the Holy Spirit to accomplish. The testimony of the Apostle Paul is instructed to us in Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 18. He says, he says to his captors to, that 
he was called to open their eyes, the eyes of the lost, in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that thou might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That was the Apostle Paul quoting what Jesus had spoke to him. So faith in Jesus' ability to sanctify the believer is both his work and our work. You see, in an instant, our position has changed. We're seen as sons and daughters in the Lord's eyes. Therefore, the Lord sees us as holy because of our position in Christ. But as you and I know, all of us still deal with sin in this life. We may have victory over sin for a time, but we still deal with unrighteous thoughts, words, and even actions. And those are the things that we must learn how to overcome. This process of having our lives line up with our position of sanctification with Christ, you know, is a term that we can use is transformation. Hebrews 2, beginning in verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Notice the words, he who sanctifies, meaning God, and being sanctified, that's the work that we do as Christians. So in a legal sense, we're sanctified. However, we must learn to fulfill our new role as a born-again Christian, a follower of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And this is done by walking in faith to what Jesus has taught. Romans 12, 2, I'm sure it's a scripture that you're familiar with. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that that is that, is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, sanctification requires a change in our view of the world. We need to change our view so that it becomes a biblical view. I looked up in the Easton Bible Dictionary the definition of sanctification, and uh, I just want to share with you what it said. Sanctification involves more than a mere moral reformation of character, brought about, brought about by the power of the truth. It is the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing the whole nature more and more under the influence of new gracious principles implanted in the soul at regeneration. In other words, sanctification is a carrying on to perfection, the work which begins in regeneration, and it extends to the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. As it says in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, And having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And then 1 Corinthians beginning, uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
It is the special office of the Holy Spirit in the plan of redemption to carry on this work of sanctification. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, the Apostle Paul writes, And such were some of you, meaning sinners and lost, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Faith is instrumental in securing sanctification because it secures union to Christ. In Galatians 2, verse 20, I, I love this, this, this verse. As the, the Apostle Paul says, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of this about sanctification is clear. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, we are declared sanctified or holy. This is our new position in the Lord. But at the same time, we enter into a process of becoming more like Jesus in our thoughts, our words, and deeds. This becomes our life work. Understanding the principle of sanctification is to understand why Jesus sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to lead us, to teach us, to guide us, and more, most importantly, to empower us to live the life he's called us to. As I bring things to a close today, in the next post, I'll be talking about transformation in more detail. Uh, which is another term used to describe sanctification. It's the renewing of the mind, which is necessary to do the following. We need to renew our minds. We need to have a new worldview, a, a, a biblical worldview, so that we might walk in righteousness. We might learn to walk in love. That we would learn to overcome sin in our lives. That we learn to defeat the enemy, the devil, who is out to bring us down, to attack us. But also to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to, to win the lost, to train them up, and then to send them out. And all of us, I believe, you know, that, that, that we need boldness as Christians to live out our faith in the world today. And then, of course, to, the right words to speak in a given situation. All of these things simply means that we want to become more like Jesus in character. That's our goal. 2 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 18, says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you that, that as a Christian, it's, it's not, we, don't, we don't want to fall into a religious pattern. But we, we need to realize that in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, that our goal is to become more and more like Him. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in order for me to become more like Jesus, I need help. And the only help that I can rely on, the only help I can trust, is the help that the Holy Spirit gives me because it is from the Spirit of God. 
And so I want to encourage you this day to be just, just make that your goal in life, to become more like Jesus. And we'll talk more about this on the next episode. So God bless you. God bless your families. And if you're in the ministry, God bless your ministry. And so Heavenly Father, right now, I just pray an anointing, Lord, to, to, to clear the veil from our eyes that we might be able to see you more perfectly. And Lord, we will realize that you have so much for us to, 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 to see, to understand, and, and to do to bring glory to your name. And in it, we will be glorified and manifested as a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations are from the New King James Version of the Bible. Copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson. Used by permission, all rights reserved.